Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Matthew Talks About Sport podcast. I am Matthew and I am joined this time by Josh. Hey everyone. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the AFL prelims that happened over the weekend, uh, last weekend, and uh, the NRL finals where that's at, uh, as well as uh, speculate about some of the upcoming cricket uh, this summer. So uh, I think we'll start with the uh, the AFL, Josh. Um, it was not a good weekend for me, but uh, out of those two games, there was an 83-point win and a 71-point win. Uh, which game for you was more uh, striking in terms of how surprising it was? I think Port versus Bulldogs was an absolute thriller of a game. I think everyone had tipped Port, you know, been on top of the the ladder almost all of the season. And then, you know, all of a sudden the dogs rock up and almost from the get-go, they're just all over Port. Um, Going to quarter time, well and truly up. Going to half time, well and truly up. And they just sailed away with it. Um, I think that was an absolute cracker of a game. Yeah. uh, the In the lead up to that, so it's obviously in Adelaide, which is Port's home ground. They were the only team... Uh, who got a home game other than Brisbane. Uh, They'd had a week off. They could all sleep in their beds. The Bulldogs had been to five states in 14 days. They got a bunch of tests. They're in lockdowns everywhere. And they weren't even allowed to train because the South Australian government was saying that they didn't want to risk it. And um, yet still somehow they just came out firing. And I, I think Port just got caught that they just thought it'd be a formality. They'd just win, but they didn't. And um, some incredible form by uh, Bailey Smith. He kicked four goals uh, out of the Bulldogs' 17, and uh, including two last quarter goals. And, of course, he got the winning goal last week against the Bulldogs. Uh, so that he's someone to watch next week in the grand final. And uh, Port Adelaide just couldn't get firing. But uh, moving on to the other game, you then had Geelong against Melbourne. And uh, I'll let you talk about it first. What were your takeaways from that? <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, I was, I was kind of surprised. Um, I think, you know, Geelong has had a couple of shaky prelims in the last you know, couple of years. But they always seem to bring it back in the fourth quarter um, and ma- make it a bit over a tighter end. But... Similar to the Port Bulldogs game, Melbourne were looking good in the first quarter, second quarter looking great, and then from there just sailed away and just smashed it. And Geelong, um, I'm not sure if it was a possession thing. They just couldn't get their hands on the ball, but they just know where to be seen. Um, I think, you know, it's... Kind of, it's almost sad when you know when you see something like that where you have this team who's trained hard all year, um, and come the day where they really need to play and they just don't turn up at all. Um, so you know, I'm sure for all their fans, you know, as you said, it was a sad day for them, but I think also for the players, um, a lot of hard questions that need to be answered going in, uh, to the sheds that night. Yeah, one of our recruits actually said uh, that that second half was the most embarrassing 45 minutes of football he's played. Uh, that was Isaac Smith. Um, and just uh, we were just blown away in the first quarter again, which it's happened many times before in finals. 
Second quarter, there was some hope. We got the last two goals before halftime. And there was a feeling of, you know, we're just in touch. And we kicked eight goals in a row against Melbourne in round 23. And I just thought, well, why can't we just kick eight goals in a row again? Like we, we've got a little bit of momentum. If we can just carry that through into the third quarter. Um, and then the third quarter came and then Melbourne got one goal and another and another and another. And eight goals later for Melbourne instead of Geelong, it was 110 to 32. And it looked like it was going to be 100 points for a while. Um, the most damning stat to me was uh, scores from clearances. So in AFL, there's three main ways you can get a score. You can get it from a turnover when the other team kicks the ball to you and then you score. Uh, you can get it from a free kick or you can get it from uh, like when the umpire throws the ball up or something. And Melbourne got 101 scores from clearances out of their 125 points. The next biggest this year was 44. So that was just Geelong, just when, when there was a contest, Geelong just couldn't get their hands on it and Melbourne just ran away with it. Uh, their mm. captain and ruckman, Max Gorn, he got five goals. That was just an incredible performance from him. Um, Melbourne, they just ran away from us. There was a shocking lack of defensive pressure. Um, and uh, Geelong, just, uh, it's just too old, too slow. We, our, our old players are fighters. Uh, Selwood, Dangerfield and Smith, they all fought hard till the end. You couldn't say that about some others. Um, but that I think, unfortunately, they're all in their early 30s and their best is behind them. And I don't mm. know if they'll win a premiership unless we have a better list profile. Mm. I um, mean, statistically, the game didn't look that awful until all of a sudden you look at things like um, your disposals and your marks um, yeah. and your free kick percentage and, like, the possession itself. Like, you know, yeah. um, the marks were... Uh, 88 to 57, which, you know, is just in AFL is an insane difference. Um, yeah. You know, you think about all those contested marks um, and Geelong, like based off the stat, just couldn't get their hands on any of them. Um, the free kicks was tight 15 to 12, but even still, um, you know, that's probably a bit of uh, last minute sloppy defense by Geelong giving some of those away. Um, and then contested possession, 160 to 30. So once again, those yeah, those crucial that's... marks in the forwards or in the backs, they just couldn't turn up. And then the kicks themselves, 227 to 180. Um, so reflected in that, you know, extra, what was it, 14% of possession, you know, yeah. all of a sudden Melbourne has run away with an extra 47 kicks um, on Geelong, all of which seem to have got into their forward pack and they've just scored off, um, which is just yeah. insane. Yeah, some other damning stats. You mentioned the marks are 88 to 57, but when you look at the contested marks, it's 13 to 8, Melbourne dominating. So they would get, like I said, they were getting in the contest. But you look at marks inside 50, it's 16 to 5. So Geelong was getting the ball inside 50. We, we were kind of getting around the ball a bit, but the delivery into there was shocking. Like we have Tom Hawkins. He's probably one of the best forwards in the competition when you factor in um, the fact that he's very selfless and yet still gets the amount of goals he does. And he just couldn't get his hands on it. And the, the, just the delivery to him was appalling. It was just yeah, yeah. far below standard. And uh, just simply put, we 
weren't in it. We just we'd run out of steam, um, and that yeah. you know also shown our interchanges. We had uh, we'd run out of interchanges by the end of the game. Melbourne still had eight left, so Melbourne still could have you know used some more rotation. They probably could have gone a bit harder. Um, uh, so just looking towards next week, Josh, what uh, is your early tip for the grand final? Yeah, look, I'm not entirely sure. You know, both teams are coming off a thriller semifinal um, where they've smashed um, and basically run away with the game um, against the opposition. I think if I had to tip it now, um, I would probably tip the dogs. Um, you know, they've been um, upcoming and fighting hard. Um, you know, they knocked Port off the top two in the last couple of weeks um, and just had a thriller of a semifinal as well. Um, they've had some time to camp down, uh, train hard, um, look at what went well in the game and look at, you know, if any, what they could tighten up. Um, so I think that they'll get my tip for this week's grand final. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a tough one to tip. There's definitely two kind of fairy tales there. So the Dogs won in 2016 coming from seventh. Um, and there was a bit of a fairy tale there. They were breaking the 62-year drought. And this year, they were in the top two all year. And then they ended up dropping their last couple of games, came fifth. And um, it, it would be good for them to come again from the bottom four. Um, but you look at Melbourne, they're coming off a 57-year premiership drought this year. Uh, they've been first all year. Um, I, I saw an interesting thing where I was comparing Melbourne to the Geelong of 07 where they made finals before, but they were disappointing. And then they really dropped down, got some draft picks, came back, and just everything's just clicked. Um, but the Bulldogs are also a bit like Hawthorne of 2013, where they won a premiership a few years ago, but it was probably a bit premature. They probably still need a couple of years of development, had a premiership hangover. And uh, now that they've kind of sorted through, okay, how do we move on in the future? Um, and both those teams went on to win premierships and went on to win three. So I think both these teams could be dominant over the next few years. Uh, but my tip personally, I think I just have to go with Melbourne for the, for the fairy tale. Uh, I think that'll get them over the line, uh, but we'll move on now to uh, some cricket and uh, some big news during the week, India and England were meant to have uh, a five match test series that has been cancelled due to COVID concerns on the Indian team's part. Uh, this series was in England. Um, th there are some people who would say that uh, the COVID concerns are actually just they want to play in the IPL for money. Uh, I think Michael Ver Vaughan, sorry, was, uh, was saying that. But uh, what are your thoughts on this situation, Josh? Look, I think any sporting decisions around COVID and, you know, whether to push games ahead or, you know, postpone them or just cancel them altogether, I think are always really hard. Um, I think conditions with COVID are, you know, constantly changing um, and we're in a position that we haven't been in and anyone's living memory where, you know, um, things can change very quickly um, and that can affect the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Um, I think... We won't really know um, about any of the decisions we've made around this until the end when we're looking back with hindsight. Um, I think people are kind of just taking it in their stride at the moment. Um, I think I think it was a good decision. Um, I think 
England could have only drawn it. Um, and then, so, you know, like it would have been likely uh, that even if it was a draw, um, India would have still won away with the, run away with the series uh, 2-1. So I think, you know, even though it's unfortunate for those uh, who were looking forward to playing, uh, you know, the players themselves um, and the fans, I think, you know, you always have to put uh, the wider community um, like first um, and them and their safety. I think, you know, there's always the argument about money in the IPL um, and being dominated by uh, a predominantly Indian board. But I think, you know, it's also, you know, you've got to take everything with a grain of salt um, yeah. and look for the benefit of the doubt. I think they, they generally were trying to make a decision around the safety um, of the English community and the safety of the players. Um, and I think they've done that. Yeah, and um, good on them for being cautious, um, regardless of what their intentions were. Um, but it does raise some questions with the Ashes. Of course, we've got COVID in Australia, particularly Sydney and Melbourne are flaring up. Uh, and uh, then there's the issue of we're meant to play Afghanistan, but due to recent incidents over there, uh, that's in doubt now. Uh, so really big shakeups to the summer. There was meant to be six test matches. Uh, it's probably only going to be five now. And even then those five, they could, they might all be played at the Gabba or all be played at Optus Stadium, or maybe they'll play at the three venues that are fine, being the Gabba, Optus Stadium and Adelaide Oval, and then do the Boxing Day and New Year's tests uh, at like maybe um, in Hobart or in Canberra. Um, but there's definitely going to be some issues there where in all likelihood, unless things get better, and it's still two or three months away, uh, the ashes will probably be affected um, by COVID. Uh, but this series, like you said, India won at 2-1. Um, looking at the actual cricket now, not the situations around it, uh, in the last 12 months, India have beaten England home and away, and they've beaten Australia at home in that famous test series last year and yet they still lost to New Zealand in the World Test Championship. Um, so those are probably the big four test cricket playing nations. Um, and it's clear India and New Zealand are just strides ahead of Australia and England. Uh, do you think the Ashes holds the same weight or do you think that uh, Indi the series that India plays are becoming more important in cricket now to see who's the best team? I think the Ashes will always be important. I think yeah. that that British-Australian rivalry, I don't think, is going anywhere soon. Um, you know, it's been part of our cricketing history for a while now. And, you know, um, it's always super exciting when it rolls around, especially when Australia's hosting in the summer. Um, yeah. I think I think Australia's, well, New South Wales in particular, is um, on target to achieve vaccination rates. I think we've kind of looked at... Um, where we're at and we're saying, look, we're never getting zero cases again. Um, so, of course, you know, we can take that stance and just say, look, we're trying to minimise deaths and hospitalizations by vaccin um, vac vaccinating. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it is the IPL's call. Um, I think it could still go ahead. Um, like you said, it could be uh, just a rotation of a couple of the safer grounds. I think it would be a massive shame uh, for it to not come to the SCG. Um, I, I reckon it should uh, come here. I reckon we're on target to have it come here. Um, I think there's so many 
uh, ways now that we've worked out where we can keep um, our players safe, um, but still have them play the game that uh, they love to play and we love to watch them play. Um, so, yeah. you know, obviously that could look very different with uh, no to limited crowds. Um, and, you know, that that really changes up the atmosphere if we've seen in the AFL and the NRL. But I think it would be a massive shame to us to not have it played here. Um, I think it will go ahead. I Like I said, it just depends in what capacity it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you look at the stats from that series in particular, Joe Root, uh, he's had his troubles, but he averaged 94 against India. Um, uh, so that, of course, begs the question. Australia, we have Steve Smith. Um, obviously, you had the suspension a couple of years ago, and then he had an awesome Ashes in 2019 in England. Uh, but since then, he hasn't been as good. And, um, of course, Australia hasn't played a test match in uh, I, I think since the Indian uh, test matches last summer, maybe we've played, I think maybe one series since then um, before the Ashes. So we're not going to have the same preparation. So that, of course, begs the question, uh, despite the fact that it's going to be in Australia, uh, England are coming in far better form, especially Joe Root. So in that particular rivalry, who do you think will come out on top uh, in terms of batting, do you think it'll be Joe Root or Steve Smith? Yeah, look, like you said, Australia's had a massive lack of experience in the last 12 months um, to no fault of their own. You know, they've obviously been training hard um, in the nets, um, at the gym, you know, working on their form, their fitness um, and all the rest of it. I think, you know, like you said, Joe Root's coming out of a smashing series um, against India um, and he's looking in good form. I think you can never rule out Steve Smith. I think he's a freak of the game and he he's a name for the record books. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not too sure where that one will go. But um, I do think uh, with Australia's lack of preparation, um, it, it could go either way. I think India's had a couple of series, um, but a lot of them, um, well, especially the Indian one, have been in England. Um, and as yeah. we know, Australian conditions, they're hotter, our uh, pitches are quicker. They deteriorate a lot faster. Um, and these are the pitches that the Aussies have been training on for the last 12 months. Um, yeah. you know, they're familiar with the conditions, the weather, the temperature. Um, so, you know, even even though we haven't had that game experience, you know, the, there are pros and cons to it both. Um, but, yeah, I think yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think our biggest issue is uh, our, our bowlers – have been and will be for a few more years just awesome between Hazelwood, Cummins, Stark, Lyon. Then you have people like Richardson, Swepson and Agar kind of pushing into that team. Uh, And Sean Abbott, of course, how can I forget him? Um, And so, like you said, with the pitch familiarity, I think we're going to have the bowling advantage. But we have Smith, Warner and Labashane. But if they're not in form, we're just so prone to batting collapses. The Marsh brothers are famously shaky. Kawaja has kind of lost his spot. Uh, we still don't have a good opener to assist Warner. Joe Burns has done it a bit, but not too much. So I think there's going to be some issues there um, in terms of uh, certainly batting collapses have been our issues for a few years. Uh, and that's what to look out for, especially uh, once you get to the middle order, uh, your fives and sixes uh, in the batting lineup. Um, 
that's what I would uh, say about that. But uh, yeah, 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 we'll move on now to uh, the NRL. Uh, the the some of the biggest news in sport this week. Um, so uh, well, there were four games over the weekend. Josh, where do you want to start? Look, why don't we do it chronologically? Yeah, right. So Manly against Melbourne, or Melbourne yep. against Manly, rather. Um, that was a dominant win by Melbourne. They got six tries to two. They won forty to twelve. Um, even got a two-point field goal in the 79th minute. Um, Ryan Pappenhausen was just in awesome form. He uh, converted, uh, what is that, seven out of eight plus that field goal and got two tries. Uh, but when you look at Manly, Saab got a couple of tries um, and uh, Melbourne are just so good. Uh, but what do you think of that game? Yeah, look, I, I think... It was- you know, congrats to the Storm uh, for such an amazing season and, you know, then having an amazing uh, first week of finals um, and going straight through. Like, they, they were just all over that game. Um, I think, you know, they were missing the Fox, Josh Adokar, but I think they, they looked very comfortable without him. Um, I think Ryan Pappenhausen was out for a lot of the season, but even he um, was looking comfortable. You know, he kicks that um, massive 40-meter uh, two-point uh, field goal, which is just a freak, freakish goal. Um, but, you know, I think even though Manly did get, um, you know, did lose, I think th- they still looked good. Jason Saab, um, like I, I said a couple of weeks ago, he, he's one to watch. Um, he got corked in the play before by his own teammate. Um, and then a couple of plays later, you know, ran 70 meters um, off a fumble. Um, from the Storm's defense and flopped over the line to our uh, score. You know, that's 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 an effort. And, you know, I think that's the type of uh, the play we like to see from NRL players where, you know, it's hurting, they're in pain, um, but they still go and they give it their all, um, especially in finals footy. So I think, you know, there's a lot of lot of things to take away for the Eagles, um, especially coming in to tonight's game. But, you know, um, I think well done to the Storm because, um, yeah, they, they had a really good game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, just on Pappenhausen, uh, he scored double what Manly did, so pretty dominant. Um, then you move on to the next game. You have Roosters against Tysons. Uh, I think everyone thought this would be a bit of a blowout in the Roosters' favours. I know I did, uh, and yet they only just scraped over the line. It was a real back-and-forth game before a Sam Walker field goal in the 77th minute. Uh, got the Roosters over the line uh, and ended the Titan season. Uh, what were your takeaways from this game? Yeah, look, it was a, it was an insane game. I think well well done to the Titans for showing up when no one thought they would. Um, well, not at the capacity they did anyways. Um, but I think it was, it was one of those uh, critical errors where they were so close, but they just rushed the play. Um, they kind of saw an opening... And instead of, you know, taking their time um, and, you know, being precise in their play um, and precise in their ball movement, they just kind of rushed it. Um, they were looking in a position to score in the far right-hand corner. Um, and I can't quite remember who it was, um, but it was a flick out the back to the winger. Um, and it just missed him completely um, and went over the dead ball line. Um, and that that was all she wrote, really. Um, so I think, you know, 
Uh, it was a good game. A lot of things to take away for the Titans. Um, Roosters getting in by the skin of their teeth. Um, and, you know, hopefully we see more gameplay like that um, from the Titans next year. You know, a lot of things for them to work on um, in their in their offseason, uh, you know, especially working around their forwards, um, which looked really good this year and, you know, proved to work well for them. Um, but, yeah, well done to the Roosters in that one as well. Yeah, uh, certainly a great game, that one. Uh, you then get uh, the Saturday night game last week. This was my favourite game of the round, being a Souths fan. Uh, it was a close one, but it was a Wayne Bennett special in the end. Uh, it was a 16-10 win for Souths against the Panthers, who a lot of people thought would win. Um, it was low scoring and uh, j- just got over the line and then managed to uh, to keep uh, keep the lead. Um, real good battle between Adam Reynolds and Nathan Cleary in the halves. Uh, as well, you had uh, Walker and Luai uh, in the other positions. And um, it was a close game. What did you think of this one? Yeah, um, this was uh, a freaky game. I think everyone kind of expected Panthers to just come out um, and almost just roll the bunnies, you know. Um, they've been looking good um, and, you know, continue to look good. Um, but I think they went into halftime 10-10 um, and then the bunnies came out and, you know, through a bit of bit of struggle, um, you know, they got over the line um, pretty early um, in the 43rd minute and just managed to hang on. I said, you know, well, do- well done to Adam Reynolds um, and Nathan Cleary, you know, that both their kickers had a good game. Um, Nathan Cleary was two from two um, in penalty goals. Um, and one one out of one in his conversions. Reynolds was one out of two in his conversions, but three out of three in his penalty goals. Um, I think it would have been interesting if he'd kicked his other conversion, um, whether they would have uh, gone for the penalty goal or gone for the another set of six. But, you know, yeah. um, I think it was uh, a good game by the Souths. Um, I think they really dug in. And, you know, Wayne Bennett, after copying a bit of flack um, from the media, you know, about his comments about blocking... Um, on the play on Cleary, you know, I think he kept saying, you know, I guess we'll see what happens in finals. And um, we did, you know, Panthers uh, after after a valiant effort, still still couldn't make it happen. Yeah, yeah, and I I think um we all kind of knew it, but this performance definitely cements him as one of the great coaches, Wayne Bennett. Uh, I mean, he spent over twenty years at the Broncos, bounced around to a few teams, he's won loads of premierships. And um, a lot of people thought after Latrell's suspension that he wouldn't be able to do it with this team. Uh, but I think that Souths have clearly shown on Saturday night that they absolutely are in the hunt uh, for the Premiership. Uh, then you move on to the Sunday afternoon game, Parramatta versus the Knights. Uh, it was Parramatta just looked a slightly better team for most of them. It just reflected in the scoreboard. Um, it, it, it was it was still clear that the teams were close in quality, but Parramatta were better, uh, winning twenty eight to twenty, uh, getting uh, an extra try and a couple of extra conversions. Uh, the Knights kicker Clifford only kicked it two from four, whereas Moses kicked it four from five. Um, Blake Ferguson got a couple of tries, and Twala got a got a hat trick for the Knights. Uh, but what do you think of that game? Yeah, look, I didn't see too much of it, but I think a lot of people kind of just counted their eels out on this game. Um, they've been looking 
to to be quite literal off the ball the last couple of weeks. Um, they haven't been around in the play. Um, they haven't been using their set plays. Um, and you know they've kind of just been looking all over the place. Um, so you know to see them come out and you know using those set plays, um, getting around their forwards, um, seeing Blake Ferguson, you know, a veteran of the game, you know, taking charge, uh, with two tries and decently quick succession, you know, 37 and 47th minute, um, I think just shows that uh, they're not out yet. Um, and I think they're, they're wanting people to know that as well. Um, they've, they've been looking, looking good for most of the season. Um, and it's only been the last, you know, uh, two or three weeks where they've been, been slipping. Um, but I think last week really inst- uh, helped a lot of people's faith in them. Um, I don't think they'll go, much deeper into the finals um but you know well done uh, to them again for you know getting as far as they have and um a good win last week yeah and uh that then brings us to the rest of the final series uh so this week it is uh the sea eagles against the roosters tonight uh and the winner will play south's next friday winner goes into the grand final and then tomorrow night uh it is panthers versus eels Winner will play the Storm next Saturday. Um, there was a bit of a scheduling error where that game was going to clash with the AFL Green Final, which Melbourne fans aren't going to watch the Storm. They're going to watch the AFL. But uh, that's been cleared up and that game's now being moved to four. And then the winner of that game will go into the Green Final. Um, and, of course, the teams are announced throughout the week. So we'll start with Sea Eagles against Roosters. Uh uh, Des Hasler has claimed that his entire squad is free of injury and uh, Crocker is back to play. Um, and uh, he was a late withdrawal last week against um, Melbourne. Uh, and then you uh, you look at the Roosters. Uh, they have a few players in. Uh, they've made a few more changes, uh, even though they still got uh, uh, in the, the win last week. But uh, what do you think of that game? Yeah, look, it, it's going to be one to watch. I think, you know, Eagles haven't been in a top four side all year. Um, they've been looking in top-notch form. Um, but in the games against, you know, the, the big names of this year's competition, um, they, they haven't won yet. Um, so, you know, what better chance to make it in your knockout game of finals? Um, but I think, uh, you know, Tom Trebojevic, um, he I think what Storm did... Melbourne did really well in their game last week is they locked him out of the game. Um, they, yeah. they had men focused on him anytime he got the ball. Um, you know, it was almost always a, a two on one or even a three on one tackle. I'm um, just making sure he couldn't get anywhere dangerous um, after watching him a couple of weeks ago. Cause to, what Tom loves to do is he likes to get in and around the play, likes to stray uh, to the wing, be the backup man. Um, you know, run in X, Y, or, you know, just a line break. Um, and that that's what he loves doing. And that's why he's, you know, such a freak of the game because he can read the plays and read when to do it. Um, and I think Melbourne utilized um, utilized their players really well, knowing that that's what he likes to do and um, really locked him out of the game. So I think it's going to be crucial um, for, you know, uh, the Roosters to do that tonight. I think James Tedesco, um, you know, absolute gun fullback. Um, you know, did well in origin um, and, you know, did really well last week um, in their round of um, finals. So I think, you know, 
tough one to call. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. My my tips probably on Manly. Um, you know, I think just their their form has been incredible. Um, and commendable as well. But you know, never count the Roosters out. Um, I think they've still got a fighting chance, well and truly, and uh, could really turn up. Yeah, I think I'm going to tip uh, Manly as well. Um, this I think this is definitely the harder side of the draw. Um, uh, Roosters and Sea Eagles are both really good teams, uh, and then you've got to go play Souths. Uh, although the other side does have both Penrith and Melbourne, so really it's just a daunting task for Parramatta. Um, so uh, we'll we'll move on to the Penrith Parramatta game. Uh, you look at those teams. Uh, Panthers uh, had uh, some concerns with uh, Edwards and Leota. Uh, but they look like they're going to play. Um, the the Eels, you have uh, Nathan Brown. He's expected to play uh, despite being injured. Um, same with Gutherson and Ferguson. They had some injuries last week, but they should be uh, on the field. Um, you, you look at this game. Uh, do, do you see a scenario where the Eels win it or uh, does it look like it'll just be a formality for the Panthers? Yeah, look, not. I I reckon it's probably going to be a formality uh, for the Panthers, but at the same time, you know, it, it is finals footy, um, and it's what yeah. we love because you know we we love seeing the underdogs or you know the unexpected winners come out and take the game. Um, so I think it's going to be going to be a really interesting one, and you know, like like the other one, a tough one to call. Um, I think you know Luai and Toto have had. Uh, insanely good uh, seasons, you know, that, that was reflected in their origin. Um, Luai being rated as, I think, this year's uh, best 5'8". And Toto has just been amazing on the wings with some of the most acrobatic tries we've ever seen in the NRL. Um, but, you know, in saying that, um, Eels have the veterans of, you know, Clint Gutherson and um, Fergo, who, you know, are players who are older and know the game um, and know what to do under pressure and how to really show up. You know, Mitch Moses has been um, a great halfback for them as well. I'm um, getting the plays up and going in, in last week's game. So, you know, I think I reckon Panthers will take it, but um, similar, similar to the Manly Eagle Roosters game. I wouldn't count the Panthers, the Eels out. Yeah. I reckon I'm going to tip the, the Panthers as well. Um, so then that moves us on to uh, our predictions for next week. We've both tipped Storm Panthers uh, game and Roosters Sea, uh, sorry, Rabbitohs Sea Eagles. And there's probably uh, two main factors at play here that could stop the Storm and Rabbitohs just progressing through. And that is the Panthers. Uh, they've basically been working for two years trying to find a way to beat the Storm. Uh, and then the Rabbitohs, not too good in prelims. Uh, so who are your tips uh, for the prelims? Yeah, I think um, if Pan- if Panthers uh, win on the weekend, I think they'll get beaten by the Storm. I think after last week's game, um, and, you know, Josh Adekar being back for them as well. I just don't see uh, Panthers really winning that game. Um to no fault of their own, but just in the fact that, you know, Storm um, seem to just work on another level. They see the game clearly. Um, they know what to do under pressure. They don't play the scoreboard game. They just play it play by play. Um, and they know how to get in and around their forwards. 
and um, really make the, the biggest impact in their plays, whether it's defensive or offensive. Um, and, you know, if, if the Eagles end up winning um, a top four, so, you know, why not do it two weeks in a row after not doing it all season? Um, I think yeah. what's going to be crucial in both uh, of the prelim games is whether um, there are some big injuries. Because I think both teams have their star players. Um, and, you know, it's easy to sit two weeks out and try and name it. But ultimately, if, you know, um, if Turbo gets injured this week um, and say DCE does as well, I think Manly just has no shot against the Eagles, um, against the Bunnies. Um, equally, if Cleary and Toto get injured, um, I don't see Panthers having much of a shot at all against Melbourne. Um, so, you know, you've always have to weigh in injuries. Um, so it's hard to call two weeks out. I um, would probably have a better idea of what's going to happen uh, this time next week. But yeah, like I said, tipping storm against the Panthers and the Eagles against the Bunnies. Yeah, well, uh, I just can't tip against Storm and Rabbitohs in my opinion. So uh, that then leads to the grand final. Who do you think will win that game? Um, I have uh, a Storm Eagles grand final, um, as I've had for you know the last eight weeks, um, and I just don't see Eagles winning it. I think you know as much as I want them to, and as much as I've been barracking for them, um, you know, coming up to finals, um, and you know now in finals, um, I think Storm, like I said, they they're just freaks of the game, and they have freaks of the game. They know how to play it. They know how to read it. Um, and they know how to stop other teams um, from getting around it as well. So I think unless Manly um, can pull something out of their hat um, and, you know, get Turbo up and firing, um, I think it's going to be a Melbourne Premiership game, a Melbourne Premiership this year. Yeah, I reckon uh, Melbourne are definitely the team to beat. And I think that they will uh, progress through to uh, another premiership. Um, just one thing I forgot to mention earlier in the AFL segment, uh, the Brownlow medal is, uh, is on Sunday. Uh, so that's the basically the MVP award voted on by umpires. Uh, so that uh, will be interesting to watch. Uh, I personally think the favourite is Marcus Bontepelli, the Bulldogs, who obviously has a grand final to play as well. Uh, there's also uh, some Melbourne players who are going to be up there. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, from an individual standpoint if there's any battles going into the grand final. Um, other players to look out for would be Ollie Wines of Port and Sam Walsh of Carlton. Um, so that'll be uh, Sunday night. Um, uh, it's usually on a Monday, but it's on a Sunday this time. Uh, it was last year as well. But uh, do you have any uh, final comments, Josh? No. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining me. And um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, please come back next week to the Matthew Talks About Sport podcast.